Andy, are you ready for another episode? I'm ready. I know you are. <laughs> that's the sarcastic way to start, but that's how we're starting. No, uh, is this the way? This is our Star Wars Mandalorian podcast where we go over all the things you missed, the history behind the things they're not really talking about. Because Star Wars is fantastical like that. Even from the very beginning, yeah. they didn't explain what the Moise Eisley bar necessarily was in full detail or the world you're entering. They just put you in it and then the rest you figure out. And that's why nerds like us sit there and just figure out the rest of the world. And that's what this podcast is here to do. It is your companion to the show. And we're doing chapter nine. Yes, we are. The Marshall. Yeah, the first episode of season two, The Marshall. Here we are. It was directed, written, and produced by John Favreau. I thought it was interesting that he had the solo credit for all of it. But uh, he's so far had the solo credit for all of the writing, and he gets the creative by. By the way, if you are listening to this in or out of order, uh, this is our fourth episode that we've recorded for this. We're going backwards now. And so that's how we'll reference the future. We will reference yes. the future. Episode four just came out. So we have up until that knowledge, if any of this does come back around, that is why we do or do not know where we're at. So my uh, summary of this episode is Mando starts off by going to some kind of illegal fight. Yes. Where he, uh, I thought this was going to be the introduction of Sasha Banks because I saw her in the trailer. It is not. They're watching two uh, it's a gorillion guards. What do we call those guards? The pig they're guards Gamor- from Return of the yeah, Jedi. They're Gamorian. Gamorian guards. Gamorian, yep. Battling it out illegally. They make it look kind of like cockfighting, but also like boxing. Yes. Full pro wrestling, as far as I'm concerned, although nothing off the top rope. And then Mando gets into a fight with people. Like I thought he was just sitting there. He's having this ominous conversation with a one eyed man played by uh, Leguizamo. John Leguizamo is the one eyed man. The conversation does not go as planned. The negotiations do not work out, and they have to fight each other to the death. And Mondo takes him on, and it's kind of great. I really enjoyed watching him use his armor as a tool to fight. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it was really awesome to watch people try to punch him and hurt their hands while punching him and him headbutting to show the strength of this Beskar's uh, armor, which I think is really important. We're learning why this armor, even when it's not recognized who Mando is. They want to kill him for his armor because it's that powerful and strong and valuable, clearly. All right, and so he is looking for more Mandalorians and he hears that there's some off in uh, most Pelgo. Yeah, say that on correctly? Tatooine. No, you're good. On Tatooine. And so he goes yep. to Tatooine where we run into Amy Sedaris again and we learn yes. that Mondo's not mad at droids anymore. Probably because he had moment. to put his droid guard down. Yeah, well, yes. IG-11 really changed him. Because he yes. had to let his guard down and start to trust IG-11. And that has now bled over into the second season, where now he trusts these Three Stooges droids that we've seen from the prequels. We're now seeing him here in Tatooine again. Amy Sedaris is back. It's also interesting. It's like, okay, Tatooine is definitely seems to be the most relevant planet on the Star Wars galaxy. Everything always eventually takes us back to Tatooine for something. Yeah, it's clearly a hub for it, for a reason. Uh, whether we really mm-hmm. have a good uh, good notion of that, um, so I did look. They up, don't make it uh, seem like it. They make it seem like it's in the Oscars, like it's Nebraska yeah. of America. But 
Nebraska seems to be really spending a lot of time in Nebraska. Then, yeah, we are (laughs) spending a lot of time in Nebraska. Amy Sedaris, uh, he says, "Hey, Ellie Motto." By the way, I did look her name up just because we neither one of us can remember it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, Amy Sedaris is we'll call it. (laughs) She's she's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard of that town, but it's not on the maps anymore. After the first Death Star blew up, they got rid of it because there was the city collapsed. Yes. And he's like, what? That makes no sense. But why wouldn't you at least have it on the map? Like, ask not. She shows him around about where it is. He rides in, much like the Western, on a, you know, to the one-horse town, slowly going through in his little speeder, side-eyeing everybody, goes into a bar like a Western where there's no bottom parts of the doors, talks to a strange bartender that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we do have someone like you around here. And he goes, oh, perfect. Here's the Mandalorian I'm looking for. In comes a man wearing Boba Fett's armor. That is not the Mandalorian he's looking for. Clearly. No, not at all. It's the it's bad news bears. And then that Mandalorian looks at him and goes, let me buy you a drink, which is not the way you can tell by Mando's response. And then he's like, uh, I will join you, but I'm not going to drink. And he's like, that's fine. They get some of the same blue milk that we've seen Mando drink with Cara Dune in the first season, episode three. So it's not yes. the drink that he's preventing. It's he's not sure of this interaction or who he's talking to. That man then takes off his helmet and we go, wait a second. That is not the way. Clearly. Not and the he way. is just a man wearing a suit. And it looked like a man wearing a suit. It looked like he was a skinny man and a suit made for a muscular man. It was all baggy, but it wasn't like too big, like a kid wearing daddy's clothes. But it definitely was not fitted for him the way this armor is fitted for everyone else. And Mando's like, oh, "I'm going to take this." Well, Cobb Cob Vanth is like, he's he's pretty upfront, right? He says he's never met a real Mandalorian before. Yeah, uh, and I'll give him this. Cobb Vanth comes off kind of like Brad Pitt in Inglorious yeah. Bastards, where he's just like, "Hey, partner, uh, I know I'm not the man you're looking for, but this is the armor you're looking for. So let's let's work a deal." And he's like so charming. You're like, you know, I don't need to kill this man. I guess all I need is the armor. But then he goes, but I'll give you this armor, but you got to help our town out because we have this sand dragon problem. Do we remember the name of the sand dragon? We do. It's a crate dragon. It's a craft crate dragon. Yeah. K-R-A-Y-T. Oh, there's a Y in there. All right. And so. They show it coming through town. It causes havoc. And he tells the background story, Cobb does, of how he got the armor a little bit. He's like, I got it from Jawas. Essentially, the night that the first Death Star blew up, as soon as it blew up, Imperials came in and blew up the bar. They just started shooting everyone and killing everyone because it was kind of like if they were going to stop the Black Lives Matter movement right before it started. Like they knew this was the moment that they these town was gonna turn on their imperial guards, and they're like, "Oh no, we'll we'll kill them before their government has a chance to say that we no longer have any power." And so he stole some stuff. Isn't that what happened? Am I wrong? Andy no, shaking his head. Oh no, yeah, I'm shaking my head, but I I appreciate trying to make it uh trying to make it relevant. No, well, so it earthy. it's it's the it's the second it's the second Death Star blows up. Yeah, so the that's the end Death of the empire. It's the second Death Star, uh, and and so um, and I think he's I think he may say like in passing like it's the second Death Star, right? 
but it's a second Death Star. And the people that come in are are basically mining guild people. And they're like a mining, they're like a mining guild clan. It's not Imperials. And so it's this whole Can idea. Can I tell you why I thought that? The oh, sure, words sure. around the screen yes. that are in Stormtrooper say there's another Death Star being built. Yes. So it's, And so it's, because those were the words, I was like, oh, the first Death Star. Forgetting that there's a third Death Star because I've never rewatched A Force Awakens. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So, so that in that the the thing that's at the bottom there is is uh, Arabish. Um, mm-hmm. That's the character set that that is. And and it, if you decode it, uh, um, it's it's part of the crawl from Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. It's like a paragraph or two of the crawl from Return of the Jedi. But anyway, so so the this whole notion, but but the the tone that is trying to be struck here is. When the empire fell, there was yeah, a the power. There's a power vacuum, and that meant that people that were trying to seize power were going to go seize some freaking power. And, yeah, and, uh, and, so and Cobb was in that bar, too. got out, and stole yep. some stuff off of their ship, not knowing yep. what it was, which was and an ice cream maker. Yes, which we love. It's covered in Disney Gallery for the Mandalorian, yes. and it's also appeared in Empire Strikes Back. In Empire Strikes Back, they literally just handed an ice cream maker to an extra and told them to run through the scene. So it yep. looked like it was busy when everyone was evacuating. And they've since made it a part of Mandalorian as a storage container. So they brought that yeah. back for season two. They have this mystery thing in it where the Jawas pick them up and they trade them whatever was in this thing for the Mandalorian armor. So it was yeah. valuable, he but not valuable he to know that. Yeah, he didn't know that... that... Uh, there were silly, uh, uh, I think he says Ciliac crystals or Silac crystals in the, it's called a Canton, uh, Camtono in the, in the lore at least. And apparently John Favreau thinks this is the most hilarious thing in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and Dave Filoni is not necessarily, he, he isn't as entertained by it as, as Favreau. But so Favreau, I think, I, I think this but is Favreau not the last time. Power, so it keeps showing up and I yeah. don't mind it. You know, like if that's a storage <laughs> container that people keep bringing around, and because, like, yeah. whenever it does show up, they do make a deal of it to show you that they have it, but they don't sit there and explain it every time. They just yeah use, like, a briefcase. Yep. Yeah, and so he, he explains that's how we got the armor, but now there's this problem with this town. He'll gladly give him the armor if Mando helps him kill this dragon. Uh, they have to become friends with Tusken Raiders to do so. They team up with the Tusken Raiders, which I think is fun. They end up yes. killing the dragon with the super, Tusken super Raiders. Fun. What they don't really cover, which is great for the Tuscan Raiders, is that after the death of this dragon, I know I skipped over like 10, 15 minutes of all that. After the death of that dragon, they find a pearl in it. The Tuscan Raiders celebrate, which is a very valuable thing in the Star Wars galaxy. It is. And no one's asking for it. So they just have it. So Tuscan Raiders win. Mando gets Boba Fett's armor, so he wins. And Cobb gets to not die and his town gets to live in some kind of peace and so they all get to win in this although what is not answered is where is the body of boba fett yes where is the other part where's the inside of of um that armor exactly and then you have to go and there's a mysterious figure in the very last shot who has a scarred face got some tuscan rifles and a tuscan stick and he just kind of like looks and then walks off with spurs. And so you're yes. like, wait, is this the same man that was at the end of one of the episodes of season one that had spurs in the desert? Or do we just see Boba Fett's face for the first time? 
I think we saw Boba Fett's face for the first time. His scarred you face. You think that's Boba Fett? Yep. For sure. I would lose my mind if I if that was Boba Fett and it wasn't. It's, it's the same actor that played Django. So you think it's Boba Fett? I do. For sure. That's um, super cool then. Yeah. I mean, we've got... Uh, so there's there's a sequence on the way into on the, for Mando when he's trying to find Mos Pelgo, where uh-huh. he stops to get information from Tuscans, and he's at a fire and he's talking to a few different people and there's sort of an aloof aloof Tuscan to the side to the left hand side of the of the frame, uh-huh. and he's like kind of not paying attention but it looks kind of like he's sort of trying to not look like he's sizing up Mando, and. Uh-huh. And they're, you know, given given kind of the position of that and where Mando is in between Mos Pelga and Mos Eisley, it could that could be the character. I think his name is tomorrow um, tomorrow uh, Morrison, but it's the same actor who played uh, hmm. Django Fett in the. I did not realize it was the same actor. Yep, that's it's the same great. actor. Yeah, so they pulled him him in right, and mm-hmm. um, and so you know what we what we don't know necessarily is you know why he sort of shed the armor and um and or maybe he traded the armor with maybe he found himself in a very similar situation to Cobb Vanth um so we know he survived the Sarlacc pit mm-hmm. um and so maybe he decided to trade the armor with the Jawas um for you know some way of getting um to start a new life is. yeah well because part of yeah. the cool part of that is that he does get to like no one knows what he looks like. So he Boba Fett, yeah. essentially, the character might be dead, but the human body inside it could very well be somewhere else doing other things. And I shouldn't even assign it human. You know, like just whatever, yeah. whoever was in the suit can go have a second life without all of the Boba Fett bounty on him. Uh, totally. Cool little nods to the costume. It has had all of the markings we were looking for, but also much yep. more damage, possibly from Sarlacc uh, acid stomach acid or possibly crate dragon acid (laughs) there's that or just maybe Cobb is out there just being rough with it yeah well i mean the armor in the in the shot inside the jawa crawler you see the armor is already damaged at that point yeah exactly um and so so you know it's gone through um you know it's gone through some amount of uh rough times um to get that and so you know we don't we don't know if that's the sarlacc um, we don't know the there's this there's this awesome the Jawas nod. way of packing. Yeah. Yeah. The Jawas just don't know how to take care of it. Um, but there's this little uh, little nod about the abandoned Sarlacc pit is where the crate dragon is. And they they basically say that the crate dragon ate the Sarlacc. So um, <laughs> so you yeah. can you can imagine one theory is so Boba Fett gets out of the Sarlacc while that crate dragon is eating it um, would be. A bit of a um, a bit of a food chain. Little fish eats medium or medium fish eats little fish. Big fish eats medium fish. Kind of um, Star Wars moment, but oh, that sure. you know, could could totally be a situation. So, um, and the other cool thing I liked is there on the backpack where Han Solo hit him with the stick, and then yes, Boba Fett took a, off. There's, there's a, a big metal patch. Yes. yeah, they they fixed the patch in the the backpack, which of course was hit again. Yes. So Cobb Vanth took offline for a bit, which I love the reference, but I do love that they showed the damage we watched it take in Return of the Jedi is now relevant in Mandalorian. And, 
and then the other thing that is, um, I, I don't know if, how you felt about this. I know you, you're someone who's, you know, watched the Kenner toy specials and things like that. Mm -hmm. but the idea that Cobb Vanth would, um, that would use the rocket action, which appeared oh, yeah, twice, would, would appear twice. Right. I think that was a big deal. Um, if you look at kind of jetpack, the Mandalorian jetpacks, not all of them have the sort of rocket attachment. So if you're like, why would Boba Fett have that jetpack that apparently is not reliable? Um, I would imagine part of that is the rocket, uh, the rocket. And as you're saying in it. the toys, the first uh, protocol of it, they had ones where they had a little spring action in it where the yep. little rocket would shoot through springs, but was then considered a choking hazard. So then they just made it one solid piece. And so yep. it didn't come off and anymore and we didn't really get to see boba fett really use it yeah we never did really and then and that, so it that was all figure, a theory whether that was a rocket or not yeah and we you know we just like you, you kind of legit don't know um and that toy appeared before was sold before boba fett had even made a feature um had even made a feature yeah. film appearance yeah that's true so, yeah before he was even in the holiday special yeah the toy and was it's... already a popular toy and it sold popularly, which is crazy because they had so many yeah. toys out there that toys of Boba Fett, who wasn't even a character, but it sold so well. They were like, we have to incorporate this in the series somehow. Well, I was too young for this, but you had to you had to get cereal box tops or something. And then like yeah, it was a mail away. In. Yeah, it was a mail away for that. Um, and so that's part of the idea of, of it. There just weren't that many of them made. Uh, and then they had because of the choking hazard, they had to halt it. So. So the, and then so you mentioned that all the damage is there. So mm -hmm. just as a quick aside, let's just a poll. We we were talking before the episode started. Um, so we start out in this unidentified planet. Dear dear listener, please know I did try to find what that planet is, and there is not a direct uh, mention of that. And so uh, so that's why I'm not telling you. Uh, but Gore Koresh makes this sort of nod about how. Um, you know that Mando's making his job easier by coming to him. He doesn't have to hunt down the Mandalorians and strip them of their valuable Beskar shells. And the so I was saying I feel like the reason why Gor Koresh was willing to give up Cobb Vance's location is a nod to this notion that Boba Fett's armor is actually not Beskar armor. That Boba mm -hmm. Fett's armor is Durasteel armor. Yes. Which yep. I did, I remember when the episode first was airing, when I first, on my first viewing, thinking that it was a different armor. And I did notice the sound was different. Yeah, so it, when, we, we talked about the, the ping that you get. Now, you know, blasters are different, right? So that could be a totally valid explanation for why it sounds different. But the ping on uh, Cobb Vanth, or when Cobb Vanth is shot at, is different than the ping that, um, that you hear from Mando's, Mando's Beskar armor. So, and then the, the other, probably the most notable thing for folks is the dent in Boba Fett's helmet, um, yeah. which, which doesn't have a, a canon description anymore, but that is um, Cad Bane from the prequels is in, in, is that's the, a shot that Boba Fett took to the head in uh, dueling Cad, uh, Cad Bane. And, and so the idea that a Beskar helmet would have a dent, like blaster dent like that in it, we can tell with the way that the Din uses his head as an offensive <laughs> um, kind of piece of his fighting technique that he's not worried about that helmet ever denting. So that's sure. always been kind of this idea of a tell that Boba Fett wasn't potentially, potentially quote unquote, a real Mandalorian. Now there's an aside, this is something my brother had kind of pitched, which is maybe Boba Fett 
wanted the look of a Mandalorian without the necessary danger of being a Mandalorian. So what we get here is uh, there's Mando many is theories on how much of yeah. a bounty hunter because he definitely was a bounty hunter and he definitely was collecting bounties. Yes, but there's a how much of it is him kind of just being a hodgepodge guy who just picked totally. up pieces along the way because also his armor is not as complete as Mando's. No, no, it's, it's definitely, definitely just no. a couple pieces and then cloth. And so yeah. it's just like, oh, okay, so this is just this guy's most valuable armor that he's been able to collect along the way while bounty hunting, potentially. And so, so we, but we get a little bit of a, a proxy nod to what Boba Fett may have been thinking, which is that the armor commands a certain amount of respect, right? And we're getting mm-hmm. that as it, from the Cobb Vanth story, we're getting that element, right? So, and for folks who don't know, so Timmy, Timothy Elephant. Um, played um, played the character. I thought he played um, super awesome. I hope he I hope he returns. Uh, there's a nod. He did do a great job. My complaint you know, is, I hope our paths cross again. Yeah, I, I believe he will. And I, I complained to you. The reason, that yes, the origin of this podcast is me complaining about this episode to you. Yep, is that it felt like a filler episode, not a way to kick off a season. And this better become a larger arc. And you are sure that this is going to become a part of a larger arc. Yeah, I am. And I've since sold 100%. myself that idea, but I haven't seen any of this show up yet. And we've had four episodes, Andy. <laughs> I'm I I think Cobb, I think Cobb will show up again. Um, if folks don't know, you know, he's not necessarily somebody that people will know. He appeared in the aftermath. Uh, there's a three book trilogy in the aftermath that it's that um, it's one of the first things I believe that Disney put out in order to help shape the uh, where they were headed when they went ahead and, and sort of took a lot of the things out of um, canon and they became legends. So um, so I think because of that, uh, I think there's a real good chance that they have a bigger plan for him. Um, and, you know, like for at least from a fan perspective, I didn't you know, I'm OK with going back to Tatooine, but um, but, you know, definitely people are complaining about that. I think it's awesome to see the Tuscans um, kind of play out the way they're playing, you know, they're being shaped out. As long out. as the story keeps moving, I don't care if they stay on yeah. there the whole season. Yeah. There needs to be a reason that he's still there. And if there's a reason for him to go there, then go there. That's totally. fine by me. I'm okay with that. I mean, as a comic, we all go to the same five comedy clubs over and over and over again. We have our hubs of which ones book us the most. He gets a lot of work out of tattooing. Go to tattooing. Get yeah. your work. Um couple little things to note yeah. is his motorcycle that he was riding around Cobb Vance yes. was a pod racer engine. It's a single pod racer engine yeah that looks similar to that of Anakin although there's no markings that would say it is Anakin's no it's, it's just similar with the way the wings are and it looks like he's riding it backwards which is also kind of fun yeah uh I think it's actually the right way is it tracing um, forward the- yeah, it is. The, it, so if you look at Anakin's, the the like yellow fins that stick out, they stick out to the front. And you'll if mm-hmm. you look at the engine, the engine is shaped the way that you would expect for an intake for like the jet, at least how we think things may have worked in this galaxy far, far away in the past. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think he I think he's writing. I think he's writing it correctly. The 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 more interesting part is, is um, what is the repulsor effect for it? Right. Like, why can it mm-hmm. float? But um, yeah. But again, I am not a Mon Cal. I do not have an engineering degree <laughs> in space, space science or anything like that. Yeah, there's only um, ever so much space science you really, truly want to get into. And um, Totally. And the, definitely the not other, what everyone wants to hear. The other thing, I mean, the thing I got excited about was R5. Our friend from A New Hope showed up. Yeah. 
R5 showed up. It's owned by uh, Amy Sedaris's character, Kelly Motto. Yes. yes. And she calls it over by name, calls R5 yep. over. He shows up to show the map. And he, when they're showing the map, there's a close-up of his head. And you can see the burn yep. around where the repairs had to be on his head for when his motivator blew, which caused Luke to get C-3PO and R2-D2 in the first place. He's very important in nerddom. Like, if he you is. don't know who R5 is, you're just a casual Star Wars fan to me. But yes. if you do know who R5 is, then it's like, oh, you've looked into this. I don't know what level it goes after this, but I know that you've made the attempt to go deeper. The, the last time Mando was, um, the la- in season one, the last time Mando is in Mos Eisley, R5 appears in the cantina. And I guess that's nice. when Dave Filoni got mm-hmm. the props department to paint it to look like R5 and then do that's great to do stuff to it. And so then they just kept they kept it um, in that shape in and around. Yeah. Ready for the next go. That's yeah. so perfect. I it's love that. Super, super awesome. Right. Um, the also, one thing, if you're a Disney uh, fan, there's an R5 in line for Star oh, Tours. That's right. Huh? There's like we, there's uh, the old pilot, the one that was voiced with Pee Wee Herman. Dex, yeah. he's there next to Dex R5. Oh, wow. Okay. Also, if I haven't you're been... super duper nerdy, right above his head is the Universal Studios logo as a silhouette because somebody who worked at Universal Studios got the job to design it and they did it to troll Disney. So that's fun too. Oh, that is fun. I haven't been since uh, since they revamped Star Tours. So, the... oh, it's good. This isn't an Easter egg, but it was my favorite part of the my favorite part of the episode was the, the it's the scale argument. So they're trying to they're trying to like lay out the how they're gonna do the sort of attack on the crate dragon, and they are yeah. Kavanth and Mando keep arguing back and forth about whether or not it's to scale. So I know you didn't play um, like uh, MMORPGs, the the massively multiplayer online games, but. The this episode part of the, the charm for me to this episode, I think, is that killing the crate dragon was a little bit like how you would do a raid in one of those online games. And so you mm-hmm. always have this like massive dragon. So in EverQuest, one of the first raid encounters was this ice dragon called Vox. And you would have to do all, you know, you'd have to like kind of set up like here's what your strategy is and here's how you're gonna do it. And then you start the encounter and nothing goes quite as you expect, much like the mm-hmm. way that this kind of played out. And so this was definitely one of these sort of boss episodes where it was like, oh, you know, his weak spot is the belly and you got to hit his belly. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, it did definitely feel like like a level of Metroid. Yeah. So there there was something about that 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 I maybe found a little more charming. Um, and then I don't know what it is, but I've always liked the Tuscan characters. And so I like this idea that they're kind of anti-heroes. Uh, you know, we see the Tuscan hounds that that were I love to see um, how they aren't just savages. Yeah. Because yeah. they do represent them in the Star Wars galaxy a lot, where they just show up savage and Viking something up and then just leave. Like only themselves are the ones to be safe. But for Mando to like know the sign language and to speak their language back to them and then be able to reach a treaty was kind of was... like Star Wars uh, Undiscovered Country. We're like, yeah. they're, oh, well, they're going to have dinner with Klingons. Yeah. And it's I don't pretty, know if I'm allowed to reference a Star Wars movie. You can do movie, that. You can do that. Or a Star I, Trek movie in a Star Wars podcast. Totally. You can totally do it. You just did. Um, but yeah, the, the idea. I also like that they uh, went single file. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I had written this down, uh, single file to hide their numbers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that. And then, and, you know, and they, and just so that if you didn't get it the first time, 
they did it, you know, multiple times to, to make sure that it was pretty clear. This is, you know, kind of what's going on. And, um, oh, quick. Uh, so the crate Dragon, you know, we had this kind of like odd sort of, I don't know why, but a nod to like Tremors uh, with the way the Kree Dragon is introduced to us, right? I have no, I, I did try to kind of figure out what is there, you know, is there a connection or something along those lines? Maybe I they just like Tremors. They may like tremors, right? Total, you know, totally fine reason. But the the scream or the squeal of the crate dragon as it's approaching is the same sound effect that Obi Wan uses to scare the Tus Tuscans off in Episode Four in New in New Hope. That's and, great. And you know, like that makes a little more sense now, <laughs> right? Because they heard that noise, and then you hear like this. You see, you know, Obi Wan coming, and and that changes what that was, right? That's Obi-Wan running yeah, away. Yeah, they're not scared dragon. of Obi-Wan. They're scared of what Obi-Wan's scared of, which they think might be the dragon. Yeah, and that changed that, like, to me, there's this little bit of information that they've now dropped into the story that now change is reframes a little bit of how I uh -huh. saw something, you know, in the early trilogies. So, uh, so that That's would be great. something I'd be remiss in not mentioning, so. For sure. Andy, how many um, crate dragons do you give this episode how many great dragon pearls i give this seven crate dragon pearls out of ten well uh, maybe okay eight. oh okay well that's better than what you because clearly i don't agree with you on this yes i know i know i know what's coming and i and feel like i'm gonna dear listener yes i think the worst episode of mandalorian is an eight out of ten on a regular traditional scale yes i do i love the mandalorian but I think this is the worst episode so far because of where it's placed purely in that standpoint. But that can be completely changed if all of this resurfaces later and has a reason to resurface. Yeah. If this is just filler, I'm looking at like a four out of 10. But if this does come back around, I'm willing to put it up at a seven or eight out of 10. But that's where I'm at as I'm just like, cause I, I'm just so mad at its placement and where it was in the season to be episode one of a season. I still don't think it's deserving of that. I don't think it's a good way to kick off a season, but that's just me looking for story arcs over, over the whole yeah. thing. It's not so much anything against what Favreau and company did. If I think that if season one hadn't been the wild success that it, it basically turned out to be, mm -hmm. I don't think this episode is the first episode. Right. So I think they have, they, they know they've got a little bit of patience in the viewer. Oh. And so they can do a slow buildup. And I think that's part of why you see it the way that it is. I'm fine with um, that, but get, start me off with something exciting. Yeah, well, and so there's little things in here, right? So just, so we know, well, we've already tipped our hand that we know what happens in the next three chapters. So we oh. know that that anything I say, I don't really know that, you know, that it's it's a thing yet. But um, but Pelimato, Amy Sedaris uh, makes a- Wait. Somebody might not have if they're walk they're working way through it, and they might use this oh. as a companion piece. Yeah. Well, no, no. I'm just saying in this. Uh, well, oh, so you're so they've watched this episode though. They've watched episode nine, but I don't know if they've seen episode ten. Okay. So I don't want you. To I'm spoil not. It. Uh, no, no, no. I, 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 one, I appreciate your concern for our listeners, and two, mm -hmm. if I, if I were to flub this, I would be, I would be remiss. I would not be your, your guest host. I'm just saying okay. in, in Hangar Three Five. When they meet, uh -huh. she makes a quip about uh, whether or not Baby Yoda, if Baby Yoda ever buds or splits or something. Yeah, she wants one. She wants one, right? And so, yeah. um, so that's like 
in 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 your defense, right? That is a passing statement um, that you know it would completely go by and have no you know no mention other than a cute mm-hmm. a cute kind of thing. We don't know if that has any significance in the future. I can tell you right now, it doesn't have significance in the next three chapters. That's all I know. Yeah, that's true. But it definitely is said as if it will have significance in the future. Exactly. And so there's little bits, there's some, there's some of these little bits in there that, that, you know, like, so if Cobb Vanth comes back, that could be significant. If Boba Fett goes after Din Djarin for no other reason than he wants his armor back, uh, that would be weird because he knew exactly where it was for a long time. Um, maybe he didn't, I guess. Maybe he didn't know, but it sounded like the marshal, Cobb Vanth, was, was well-known in the area because he had mm-hmm. killed a lot of Tuscan That had upset the various tribes and clans of the Tuscan. So if Boba Fett was, in fact, harboring, being harbored by the Tuscans, they would know Cobb Vanth and like that. So, so for him to suddenly want to go track down Din because and to get his armor back that would be a little odd but that would now at least or i think it personally would would shift the importance of this episode and so mm-hmm. so we would know oh there's a reason why we started on tattooing but right now we don't have anything that tells us there's a reason why we started on tattooing yeah we don't know but yeah we, it might finish there that could be we'll see we'll see how it plays out as far as yeah. like, I'm having a shifting scale because i might change my mind on this later yeah that's but fine. But it's a that, mythology, right? This episode it, is why we have a podcast at all. And exactly. that's important. I, it's so important it birthed this. <laughs> we are a response to the Marshall. <laughs> we are a response to the Marshall. Take that, Cobb Vamp. I needed a place on the internet to be like, why are you here? What's going on? And I, I think that's it for this episode. Is there anything else you want to add, Andy? Nope. Good. All right. Well, is this the way? I hope so. Hope not. <laughs>